ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Tim Moen Show. I'm your host, Tim Moen. Uh, listen, government is, is trying to implement central bank digital currency right now. Uh, it wants to control our every transaction. I mean, it, it essentially has controlled our every transaction to some degree since the implementation of central banks, be it currency, uh, all the regulations and uh, laws around uh, legal tender. And now it wants to take it to the next step, the, to its almost final form, wherein it can control, cut off, uh, do whatever it wants to your money. You, you have absolutely no control over it, no privacy. Uh, cash will be dead. So one of the ways we can counteract this, obviously, is through things like precious metals, things like cryptocurrency. And the guy I, got, I have for you today is joining us all the way from way down under is uh, Joshua Skagala who's been in this crypto space uh, for a long time. And I think he has some very interesting thoughts. He's a founder of a couple of interesting technologies. So I want to have this guy on and find out what we can do in the coming age of, uh, of the central bank digital currency, rampant inflation and erosion of our freedoms. Joshua, thanks for joining me on the Tim Moen Show. Hey, thanks a lot, Tim. It's it's great to be here. Big fan. And uh, I'm calling from the grand Airbnb. So I'm not sure. Hopefully the uh, internet will hold up. You know, Airbnbs, they just sort of throw the cheapest internet they can in there and flog it off. Yeah, well, I mean, so far, so good. Um, listen, you are you're a, a Bitcoin OG. I think you've been you've been in this since what, 2010 or something like that? Yeah, yeah. I was lucky enough to uh, to find uh, Bitcoin very, very early. Uh, it was mainly because I'd, I'd, I'd been searching for this sort of technology, uh, right. something similar for a site I was running uh, called Swap Style, where people swapped uh, clothes um, instead of buying and selling. Because I, I always loved having alternative uh, economies. I really liked mm. the idea of alternative economies. And and, uh, and it started just being horrible because no one, you know, swapping's very inefficient. It's a terrible way of doing business. And, uh, and you really, you have a whole marketplace there, which you could utilize um, if you had some sort of credit or token. But how do you put a credit without going all the way full circle back to being a right. central bank? Right. Um, so how much, how much was Bitcoin worth when you, in terms of fiat, when you were first looking into it? Uh, it hadn't reached a dollar yet. Right. Wow. Okay. So you yeah. you know what? Your story sounds very similar to mine. I I was actually um, I was trying to figure out how to create a barter bu barter buck, right? Just oh, locally, right. and yeah. and so I was working out this whole scheme uh, about how do you you know exchange services, but you know creating just a local kind of community. Uh, dollar that could you could exchange for services and my whole thing was like how, how can i avoid being taxed as a small mm -hmm. business owner on the side at the side hustle and i thought okay i can trade some of this for some of that or something you know and yeah. um and then i came across bitcoin i think it was about uh it was somewhere between around two or three dollars it was around 2011 maybe yeah. and man i was like blown away by it i'm like this is the answer to central banks this is uh yeah you know, this is the future. And yeah. uh, I tried to get a hold of some back then. At the time, there was only one exchange, as I recall, it was MT Gox. And yep. I, I had to get a US bank account and wire money to them if I wanted to buy some. So Duala. that was a big head <laughs> Yes, that's that? right. Yeah. Oh, and, uh, and, and, you know, in the end, I, I tried to get some privately, just you know, and I even offered guys $20 a coin. You know, I figured I'd, I'd invest $100 into Bitcoin because I heard it might be going up to $100 a coin. And it made sense to me that it would because why wouldn't it? Mm -hmm. um, but uh, man, I, I kind of, I, I, I ran into too many roadblocks and I just kind of gave up on it. And now I, 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 it sounds like the difference between you and me is you stuck with it and, uh, you know, are now, now, uh, heavily invested and and in the space and an early adopter yeah i mean you know i i really should have bought more instead of trying to mine and and uh, and telling everyone else that they should buy <laughs> right. and i shouldn't have left them all on mount gox either you know uh, not your not your keys not your crypto so right right yeah that uh, was that was a hard lesson yeah. to learn, i imagine 
but you know, I, I don't think our stories are very different to anybody else's in the space. And um, you know, so many people say, "Yeah, I heard of Bitcoin, and I didn't pull the pull the trigger. I didn't quite get it." Uh, and I could say the same with Ethereum. When Ethereum came along, I didn't get it fully, understand it at the time of the ICO, and I didn't. Um, you know, I was just full, just Bitcoin. I understood Bitcoin, and I just didn't understand the the scope of what they were doing there fully um but yeah it's you know i i think it's sort of this sort of coming of age within bitcoin is being losing money somehow <laughs> you know you have to sort of get your fingers burnt to understand how this stuff is very slippery and you've got to secure your coins by yourself you've got to um you know uh, uh you, you know really learn about the technology learn how to secure your private keys and uh, and not hold your keys somewhere else and not buy shit coins and and stuff right. like that. yeah that is that's another kind of roadblock for me I, I mean i do have a bit of bitcoin just pe- bitcoin that people have sent me um but i'm kind of scared to get too invested in it because uh i'm not very responsible you know i'm, I'm not <laughs> i don't uh I, I will lose the key i'll i'm just scared i'm gonna you know I'm not, I'm going to, I'm scared. I'm going to lose it. And, uh, but what, what advice do you have for, for a guy like me? Uh, or let, let's just say the, like talk to my audience who might be just vaguely familiar with Bitcoin, not really yeah. understand, you know, just superficially that look, the stuff seems to be the answer, but it's over my head in terms of like, how do I get it? How do I secure it? There's all these options and all these people looking for my money in the crypto mm. space. How do I decide? Yeah, I mean, look, I, the biggest trap that most people nowadays, because nowadays it's fairly easy, right? You don't need to jump through a million hoops. Like, like what you were saying when you first joined, it was almost impossible to get. I had to like get second life credits and this and that and then trade that for something mm. else to get fun. Like it was nightmarish. And, and, uh, so nowadays you just sign up to like, I don't know, Coinbase or, or something like that. It's very simple. You, there's so many different ways to do it very easily. The, the biggest trap that new people fall, fall into is trying to get that new, the new, the next Bitcoin uh, and, and buy some like crazy uh, speculative asset um, because it's, it's going up. And if it's already going up, you're probably too late. Right. Um, And the other thing is like that the media and, you know, it's, 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 it's horrible because when you're in a bear market, the media just stops talking about crypto. They stop mentioning it. They stop nothing. There's just the odd, like bad news story, which will dump the price even more. Or someone dancing on the grave of uh, Bitcoin. Finally, it's done. yeah, Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. And, and, but once the bull market comes, it's Bitcoin every day. There's ticker symbols. There's all sorts. And that's why all these new people come in when the price is already going up like crazy and they get wrecked at the top. So right. my, my, you know, if you, the, the, the single best, best advice, I think, is, look, if you're just new to this game, don't touch anything else but Bitcoin and maybe Ethereum. Like these are the two blue chips in this space. And, and all the other ones, just leave them for a little bit. Learn, listen, read understand the value props that these guys are trying to do i'm not saying you know everyone calls every you know many people call everything a scam and i think it's very dangerous because the scam is a very important word Mm. and by calling everything a scam you basically diminish uh, the meaning of it Uh, and there are real scams out there and they're getting more and more but if, if someone comes new to this space and they hear that Ethereum's a scam and everything's a scam apart from Bitcoin, then they think, oh, well, you know, Ethereum's obviously not a scam. He's calling that a scam. And this this weird one coin thing is also being a scam. So, you know, they're the same, like everything's just a scam. So it's re- really important to just, if you're new to this game, stick with Bitcoin, stick with Ethereum and uh, dollar cost average in, don't put all your eggs just all in. Just buy every week some uh, or right. every month, whatever you can afford to lose. And just slowly accumulate a little bit of diversity in your portfolio. And I would say the same thing for gold and silver. 
Um, mm. uh, just slowly DCA some gold and silver as well. Um, uh, whatever you can do is just don't save in fiat currency. That's the big enemy out there. And the boogie monster, the thing is, this divide and conquer mentality that crypto people and gold people have had is really infuriating me. Uh, for has for many years, gold bugs be like, oh, Bitcoin, no, 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 it's this and that, and just calling it names and not truly trying to put away that that sort of uh, cognitive dissonance that they've built up. And and Bitcoiners sit there going, it's the new gold, drop gold, and you're like, guys, have we forgotten the real enemy is this fractional reserve nonsense coin called the Fed coin, uh, right. called the Euro or the USD or anything else? That that's that's the thing that we have to warn everybody about. Uh, not gold and not Bitcoin. These are rare assets. Bitcoin's a rare number. Gold is a rare metal, and and they work beautifully together. Yeah, that's right. And you you have uh, been a co-founder of the, I think one of the first crypto to metal exchanges. You want to talk a little bit about that? What uh, what, what was the the kind of yeah. uh, motivating factor there? Well, the motivating factor bef- uh, for building a Bitcoin physical gold exchange was that uh, the very first exchange called Mt. Gox, MT Gox, um, uh, the first Bitcoin exchange went broke and there was just no transparency at all. And um, and if someone had fiat on that exchange or crypto, it didn't matter. You lost it. Now, when I, I I went about straight after the collapse of that and losing a lot of a lot of Bitcoin, and I said, right, this is the end because this that was just the string of different hacks that were happening at the time. There was all these online wallets, Insta wallets, one there was. Uh, you know, there was a whole bunch of different services that kept on getting stealing everyone's money. And, and I was just sick of it because these these people were raining on a parade so amazing uh, uh, that 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 it just made my heart cry because here we are. We have a technology that can defeat central banking. Uh, yet these these idiots are coming along and then the media would report like the CEO of Bitcoin has like because they didn't understand it at the time. Uh, so they would put, come out with nonsense as well. So it was time to stop that. And that was really the driving factor for building a, a physical gold exchange. And, and so what we built was a transparency protocol. And transparency worked very well with gold because banks are only insured in America for two, 250K and in Europe for 100K. And we had you know the Greece crisis, Cyprus crisis and stuff like that over in Europe. I was like, man, you know, really gold can be insured to however much you've got because it's a physical good and it's just sitting in a vaulting facility so you can insure it for millions um mm. uh, wealthy people need to open up countless bank accounts you know for right. yeah so um it's a great way of securing your money plus there's very you know gold has had scams for five thousand years so the gold industry knows pretty much every attack vector and so if you can get good insurance and good auditors like BDO or, or KPMG or some, some large auditor uh, to count the stuff in these uh, high security top tier vaulting facilities, you've pretty much got a very solid diversification into a rare asset. And so I thought, okay, why not, instead of trading Bitcoin against fiat, let's trade it against gold sitting in a high security Swiss vaulting facility that's fully audited and fully insured. So if anything happens to us as an exchange, we run a bad business, it doesn't matter. The gold right. is sitting there. Because many people don't understand when you put money in a bank, it's not your money anymore. It's the bank's money. They own it. They they promise to pay it back when they can, uh, when you ask right. for it. Usually it works, but sometimes it doesn't. Well, I mean, I mean, we just saw it not work in, uh, you know, with the SVT, what was it? SVT Bank, Swift, Silicon Valley. Uh, yeah bank you know the, 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 they went to the bank and there was no money there it's gone it's gone you it's know gone. Yeah. And, and, and and like you say it's only insured to a certain amount right so yeah yeah yep yep exactly and that's only going to happen worse it's going to happen more and more and more and more and more and if you know the, the the big aha moment was when i i was doing i was at a conference in cyprus talking to an old lady and she'd worked her entire life as like a nurse or something. And um, yeah, and, and she, she said, oh, because I, I, I asked her about this crisis that happened. She goes, I lost everything in that. I said, what do you mean you lost everything? She, she goes, oh, well, I, I had a flat 
that I'd saved up for, I bought, and that was my retirement money. And I decided to sell my flat and retire. And I put all the money in the bank. It was all there. Friday, it was there. Monday, it was all gone. All of it. She couldn't even log in. All of it was gone. And then about two months later, the the insurance kicked in and put 100K back. But that's not enough for her to live on. Right. And her kids had died. uh, So she was alone (laughs) in this world. And she was just worried. She didn't know how to move forward because she has 100K to live on. And so this was a real big sort of aha moment as well in terms of what we're building here and why we're building it. And so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I I mean, that's, that's what scares me and that's what should, uh, you know, concern my audience, right? Guys, you you have all this money you've worked so hard for. They're, they're already uh, eroding your buying power. They're stealing from you by printing all this money. This is why you've seen all the prices continue to climb. Um, That's government fuckery, uh, you know, robbing you to pay the elite. And, and, and then, to top it all off, we have these banking banks, which are essentially Ponzi schemes, fractional reserve banks. Your mo- you put your money there, and it's immediately loaned out plus more. It's gone, and you know, um, eventually, the, the, you're not going to be able to go get your money from the bank anymore. So now, what do you do? So um, you know, and and like Joshua said, this is likely to become more and more common as the economy uh, becomes more unstable and this giant bubble that that central banks have inflated starts to collapse and or pop and so um so this is why i really like what you're doing and and you know joshua uh, you know empty gox and a lot of these crypto exchanges there was some shady stuff going on there too right it, it was it was kind of uh, the wild another, west they're just another bank and they're exactly yeah yeah, like, and, you know, this is why I'm working now on a DeFi protocol where you can be your own bank, uh, right. ultimately, so you can lend yourself money. So one of the great inventions of this space, uh, which I, I, I believe, even if I do say so myself, and it's I, I didn't invent it, but I've, I'm taking it to the next level, is don't pay cash for things. Like don't don't sell your Bitcoin and buy a, a car. Um, don't even borrow money from the bank to buy a car. Just what you want to do is you want to open your own bank, right? Okay. Put your money into your own bank and then borrow money from yourself and then buy the car. Now wow. you haven't now you haven't sold your investment and you've borrowed money, so there's no capital gains tax. And right. Um, and and it's a zero percent interest because you borrowed from yourself, and th- these are the wonderful things that DeFi allows you to do. And th- these are the things that, that it sounds really crazy. We can d- dive a bit deeper into it if you want. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious um, to know more about this. I've I've heard about this be your own bank thing. I've never really looked into it. I, I've, you know, explain this to me. So can I can I be my own fractional reserve banker, or do I actually what? have to have money on deposit? No. No, you have to have more collateral than ah. you than you borrow from yourself. Okay. So, so, and this is the beautiful thing. It's so. This is why we've called it. The now, I guess if I were my own fractional reserve banker, I'd basically be arrested for counterfeiting, right? Something like that. Exactly. But they, they can well, do it. I can't. <laughs> well, the thing is, if you're your own, what we want to do. I mean, this is why we've called it the standard.io. Is the standard comes from the gold standard, right? You have. Governments traditionally would hold gold and then issue debt or issue credit against that. So you would then have these bits of paper, which was the currency that you could always go and redeem for gold. Now, I don't actually like the gold standard for many reasons. But one of the reasons is that you're telling government to force the price of gold $1 per gram. So you're, you're now price fixing, which is a very sort of commie way of doing things. You don't want government forcing the price of gold on something. It, it, it had knock-on effects. In fact, some would say it was one of the reasons for the Great Depression is that um, a lot of the gold miners didn't want to explore for new mines because there was no upside to gold. It was always going to be $1. Right. Um, so so it had problems. Now, let's talk about the be your own bank thing. What is it about? Well, if you had some Bitcoin... 
And you're very long Bitcoin. You're saving it. It's a rare asset. It's a rare number. There's only going to be 21 million of them. Great. Um, now, you don't want to bring that to a bank like Silicon Valley Bank or Celsius or Blockfiles, these sort of central authorities. What they would do is you would give them your Bitcoin and they would say, okay, we're going to hold on to that Bitcoin and we'll give you a loan against that. The problem is they then go off like cowboys and start speculating with your money. Mm. And, and so you don't know what they're doing. Uh, when you go back to pay off your debt, will you get that money back? Will they go broke? Well, we saw what happened. They, they usually just are cowboys and, and spend your money on, 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 right. on hookers and blow and whatever. So what, what, how, can we, how can we twist? How can we flip this? Okay. Why do we need to give it to BlockFi or Silicon Valley Bank? Why can't we just lock those assets in a smart contract where we hold the private key, like yourself? So you you have your Bitcoin, you go to a smart contract where you own the private key, no one else can touch it. You put your Bitcoin into that and you close the, you close the smart vault. So the only person that can speculate with your funds that are locked in that is you. Now, let's say you've put 10,000 bucks in there, right? let's say, or 1,000, whatever, whatever it is. Um, and you want to borrow 5,000. So what this smart vault does is, okay, we've got 10,000 locked in here of Bitcoin. It'll allow you to borrow up to 90% of that value and mint fresh stable coins um, out, out this side. So now you've got these stable coins that are like, you know, uh, pegged to the US dollar. And, um, and, and you can go and like trade it for US dollar, someone that wants to buy them to maybe pay back their debt or something. You know, it's, you have to trade it for actual dollar and buy a car or someone will take your stable coins for their car maybe as well. It also happens. Right. But right, what you've done is you've borrowed that money at 0%. You've still got the collateral there. Bitcoin's still going up. And, um, and if you've, you've now got liquidity. So you've borrowed mm -hmm. money from yourself and um, and what's giving value to this stablecoin? Well, the stuff that's locked in there, because right. there's more value locked in that that smart contract. And for those that don't know what a smart contract is, it's just a computer program. What makes it different from a from a computer program? What why is a smart contract a smart contract and computer program a computer program? Is that a smart contract runs on thousands of computers at once. So, um, because if it was just a computer program running on my laptop, I don't know if my laptop's got a virus or it's been hacked or something, but it's, but I know that I'm pretty certain it's very, very unlikely that thousands of computers have got the same virus and will give an output that's wrong. Um, so 51% of the network have to have to have the same calculation basically the same computer program runs and 51% of them goes, okay. And then we have to say that's truth because 51% of the network said it was true. And, and so anyway, so you lock up these assets, print yourself stable coins at 0%. There's no time limit to pay it back. You just have to pay it back. And most people that you'll want to pay it back because there's more value locked up in that smart contract than you borrowed from yourself. Right. So, so you just start hold on. Let me just, let me just understand it. So you, you, you get these stable coins, uh, you lock your, your Bitcoin in the vault, get these stable coins, now you're going to use these stable coins to go, let's say, buy a car. Yeah. Um, first of all, I have to convert that those stable coins, I guess, into fiat, unless the seller of the car is willing to accept stable coin. So yep. I find a buyer for them. Where where would I typically find a buyer for stable coin? Um, you can find uh, usually on like Uniswap or uh, even Kraken, and um, you know Kraken have Dai, uh, which is D A I. That's a stablecoin in USD. There's okay, um, and so these are like exchanges. Yeah, or? yeah. So okay. these are exchanges. Yeah. So there's de decentralized exchanges and centralized exchanges. Right. Whatever. And so I, I would have this stablecoin, and it would be uh, with with the I guess the buyer know. I'm assuming there's different types of stablecoin out there, right? So they would want to know that it's a it's pegged to the bitcoin in this vault i assume yeah and and well, so what yeah so what do they do with the stable coin then do they do they when they use it does it somehow uh resolve by releasing some bitcoin from the vault to them or no no it, they can't do anything they just have okay a stable coin so they can either 
buy it's worth a dollar so they can do right, whatever right. they want um and now now this is where this is the key of how how things stay stable is that let's say you've got a debt um to yourself of five grand right and you've got 10 grand locked up imagine if the stable coin now drops 10 percent in value suddenly because some something's you know the whole market's crapping its pants and and the stable coin drops 10 percent all of a sudden I can pay off my own debt at 10% discount. So what do I do? Mm. I go onto the exchanges and try to buy back this stable coin. What does that buying pressure does? More demand means higher prices. So the demand of me buying that stable coin off to pay my debt back off cheaper lifts the price again back to a one-to-one. Mm, and so, interesting. Yeah, and, and same goes for if it goes above, which is rarer, if one, one S dollar uh, for standard dollar uh, goes above $1, then, oh my God, I'm going to borrow from myself a whole bunch and sell it on the market and make a profit. Right. Uh, and, that, and that supply will drop the stable coin back down to one. So this is a constant sort of swing. Okay. Um, and that, well, that's so, kind so, of uh, it, let's say I, I lock $10,000 worth of Bitcoin in this, in this vault. Uh, I get the stable coin. I, I do my thing with it. Uh, how do I get that Bitcoin back out of the vault eventually? Does have it to... have to stay in there as long as the stable coin circulating? Yeah, yeah. You can slowly pay down your your debt again, and the, gotcha. the more you pay it down, the more you can take out. So there's a you just have to stay at a. Uh, it has to be 110 percent over collateralized. So rather than fractional reserve. We're over-reserved, always, right. and provably. The whole system has more value locked up than, than currency floating around. And what the standard does that's even cooler is that if we're in a bear market, because there's a side of this is, is this is really hard. Is Let's say you've taken out a loan, you've bought yourself a car, I don't know, you've lost your job, you can't afford to pay back your debt. But there's no time limit and it's and it's 0% interest, right? So you're all good. You, you can wait it out. But you've got this liquidity sitting in there. Now, let's say a bear market hits and the Bitcoin's going down. And what happens is if it reaches the collateralization threshold, which means that 110%, it cannot fall below. It's mathematically cannot. What happens is it gets that vault gets liquidated. Uh, and there's a whole lot of people owning the, the governance token um, that uh, have the ability to buy those, those assets at 10% discount. Gotcha. So they then, they, then, they then get the S euro or the S dollar and pay back the vault uh, and, and get, that, get that liquidity ah. at, at a discount. So that means that they burn the, the outstanding stable coins to make sure that there's always 110% more value at least locked up in the system. Right. Oh, and, and so what we have built now is a mechanism where you can have provably over-reserve. You don't have to trust anybody because no one can get access to your vault. No one can speculate with those locked assets. All that can happen is they fall below collateral. And now we don't want people to fall below collateral. So we've built mechanisms where you can trade the collateral that's in it. Say if you've got Bitcoin and, and Bitcoin's just shitting the bed. It's just every, the market's just going down and down and everything's horrible. What you can do is trade that collateral for a tokenized gold, um, if you'd like. And that tokenized gold then is is still a rare asset, but it's not dropping like 10% a day or whatever. You know, gold's fairly stable compared to Bitcoin. Right. So now you've you've converted it into something more stable, but it's still a rare asset. It's not, you know, some some crap coin. Um, so that that's uh that's one way that you can secure it. The other way is you can say, man, I've got this collateralized debt position and and I, I've lost my job. I can't pay back. There's all this value sitting there. I'm gonna sell it as an and uh, each vault comes at, uh, with an NFT. Uh, it's like uh, you know, it's not an art piece, but it's a key. An NFT can also be a key. Right. And what you can do is you can actually sell the key to your vault. So I could say, look, there's all this stuff there. Do you want my debt and the mm. collateral? So I can now sell you that. Um, and now I have some liquidity back. You know, yeah, yeah, I'm happy. You have the, the vault. You can now pay off the vault and get the liquidity out um, that's locked in there. So there's these sorts of things that are really, really cool that we're building. And, um, and I just think it's exciting because... 
for the first time uh, in history, we have the ability to have uh, finance and people being their own bank and lending themselves liquidity it also helps with things like debt cycles where, where people cannot afford to, like these poverty cycles, they, ca they can't afford to live and save. So right. whereas now what they can do is they can say, okay, I've earned my money. I'm going to put it into a smart vault and I'm going to borrow the liquidity I need for rent and food. Now, if, if I get liquidated, I lose 10%, but I was going to have to sell that anyway to, so it's a good, it's a good speculation to say, at least I get to save something. And, and right. it's self-sovereign, you know, that, that's the key to all us libertarians is like self-sovereignty. And I know it's Absolutely. like crazy crypto space stuff, but adding that tokenized gold and, and having the ability to, to sort of make, make gold a more of a futuristic <laughs> endeavor and right. add some of this functionality, you know, add, have a, a good gain of function for, uh, for gold is, is I think uh, really, really cool. Right. And, and um, you know, what I love about this is, like you say, it puts it, it's self-sovereign. And I, I love the thing that you're doing is you're solving um, you're, you're seeing a demand in the market. Right. Like the, the demand is we've we've seen how uh, how corrupt regular banks are. We've seen how kind of Wild West and sketchy and um you know, the, the whole, a lot of these crypto exchanges and, you know, empty Gox and what was the one with uh, Sam Bankman that where the they're FTX. doing math and blow. Yeah. The FTX scandal, there's all this stuff, right. And what you're doing is creating, uh, creating security. You're, you're like, here's the actual physical gold. Here's the actual protocol. You know, it's, it's a hundred percent, uh, 110% reserve banking, and uh and you know, it, it's it's provable and, and so you you are meeting this market demand better than any government regulation could you know a, a statist yeah. might say look at what's happened to ftx and empty gox and we need more government here we need some regulation in this space well no because we got guys like joshua and his team uh creating the standard.io uh, voltoro.com and, and meeting this demand and you know if, if there's any chinks in their armor there's going to be other competitors willing to to take your dollars and and provide the value that you're looking for out there in, in the banking and, and crypto space um yeah yeah i mean you know we, we really are we're we're living through a time that's extraordinary now tim and i, I don't need to tell you that you know, we're living in a time where really we're, we're bucking up against the old guard of the constant war dogs. Um, and we, we had, you know, the, the whole scam over the last three years uh, from, from Big Pharma as well, where they just made off with billions. Um, uh, yeah. just, and, and, and we saw the control of narrative through that time. And, and we, 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 so we saw the control of narrative. We saw an industry make an absolute killing, uh, literally and figuratively uh, through those times. And now we have then the industrial military complex play their old game, look going, wow, these guys are making a lot of money. It's time to, to start a war. Um, so now we've got Europe, uh, basically that, that war stimulating massive uh, weaponry uh, defense spending on every country that hasn't for years. I mean, Germany is basically a, a dooms dock, uh, a boom dock. Sorry, of 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 uh, hardware. Like the, the the trucks don't work. They're it's a terribly uh, uh, financed army and uh, a defense force. And and now after this, wow, they're stepping up their spending. Uh, and every NATO country is so. We've got that. Then we've got the rise of AI, um, which is an absolutely mammoth. I think it's the biggest threat um, that we have right now, um, hmm. far beyond what people can actually comprehend. And uh, we're just sort of yeah, sort of walking through through this without any any really un understanding uh, or comprehension of of well, first of all, the exponentiality and the speed, but b the dangers. And, and and on top of that, you have the CBDCs coming, the mass control grids 
Um, and what part of AI is the compression of data is so grand. Like some of these large language models that have so much data in them, uh, you can fit on your, your local computer now. So mm -hmm. the compression of the internet, it, it's a sort of a compression mechanism. So we have all these threats to, to human liberty and freedom. So it's really, really important that we, we, we don't get scared and we challenge each one of these one at a time. And the, the, the big one is money because these CBDCs are so dangerous. And you touched on it right in the, your intro there, Tim, about the ultimate control that CBDCs have. Um, and, and many people don't really grasp why, why that is. They, they, they've, well, we already got digital cash. It's, it's a, my credit card, it's digital, but it's very, very different. These CBDCs are very, very different. And, um, and yeah, we can, talk, we can talk about that if you want, but yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, let, let's talk about it. Uh, you know, my, my listeners will be maybe vaguely familiar with CBDC. All they know is uh, a lot of them, a lot of, I've seen this in a lot of kind of, um, let's call it patriot and freedom lover spaces that uh, stay away from from uh, digital currencies, right? Uh, and, and they'll lump them all together. They'll lump uh, CBDC in with Bitcoin and everything else. What, mm. uh, what should we be concerned about with the CBDCs? So let, let's break it down a little bit into what it is, right? Right now, um, if I'm an American and I'm banking with, uh, I don't know, some bank and I want to set, I, and I, I come to your store and, uh, and I buy something, what happens is that my, my bank says, my bank doesn't send you that money right away. Um, it, it puts up a little, uh, a little IOU to your bank and, um, and it goes in a whole pool of IOUs for that day. So my bank might through, uh, through 10,000 10, transactions might say, okay, we owe your bank uh, $1.3 million. Uh, let's make a round numbers. Uh, we owe your bank 1 million bucks. And your bank might also have customers, a whole bunch of customers that sent money to my bank that day. Maybe they make up 100K um, transact, $100,000. Um, so there's $1 million owing your bank from my side and 100,000 owing my bank. So what happens at the end of the day, the central bank gets that data and just makes one transaction says, okay, this bank just has to send 900 K to this bank and it's even. So it's one transaction settles the whole lot. Uh, and, and it's quite good. Now what's happened right there? Well, the central bank has no idea what, transactions make up that million dollars worth of transactions or what made up the 100k on the other side they don't know but all they know is right this bank owes this bank this much and one transaction everything's settled the difference you know now what cbdc's do is they get rid of all that now first of all before we go there i want to say that um Right now, there's some sort of legal hurdles. Yes, the government can come, subpoena the bank, and get the full records of what you spent and what you did. But there are checks and balances in place to do that. Yes, some will say that it's, it's way too loose and, and, um, and whatever, but at least it's there. CBDCs will get rid of all of that, and every single transaction goes to the central bank, and the central bank then um, uh, forwards it onto your bank. So it'll just go, which is, which is actually the central bank. You know, everything just goes yeah. to the central bank. And, um, and so the government can quite easily say, or the central bank can say, right, uh, we have a massive obesity pen, uh, epidemic and we, we can't have you buying that chocolate bar, uh, Tim. Uh, you've right. already bought three this month. No. I, as stupid as that sounds, that's just the stupid shit. Well, it, does, it does sound stupid, but uh, I mean, I, I it doesn't sound as far fetched to me anymore. I, I was talking with someone the other day who um, was yeah, had to do a bunch of business flights back and forth between Vancouver and Calgary, and she couldn't purchase an airline ticket with her with her credit card because she had exceeded her carbon limit or something like that. What? She had a yeah, she had a apparently <laughs> I think. She didn't realize it, but she signed up for like a, it sounds nice, right? When you sign up for it, it's like a, a carbon conscious credit card or something like that. Um, you know, help fight climate change with it. Oh, that sounds nice. 
Well, yeah. until you can't buy a ticket with it because you've exceeded your allotment, right? But that, you know, presumably she she voluntarily signed up for that program, but just wasn't paying attention. So, you know, buyer right. beware on that one. But that's, you know, we hand that power over to the central bank. It doesn't seem like a big step to go the next, that next step further, right? It's absolutely not a big step. Now, we've just been through three years of a nightmare where they, they cordoned off certain shops and said, you're allowed to buy this, but not this. They would like tie a little fence around, I don't know, the Frisbees at the shop, but not the the, the drinks or the Coke, you know. <laughs> that's, right, right. That's important to... Yeah, yeah, to, yeah. Um, so so the, the, during that time, we've seen how much governments wanted to control oh, yeah. the flow of money, the spending, what was allowed. Oh, yeah. Um, well, just think about what they could have done with a CBDC, right? They could have said, well, only essential items. Well... There, who, who do you want deciding what's essential to you? Uh, we yep. saw exactly what happened when you know when the government kind of clunkily and clumsily tried to regulate that. Now they're going to be able to precisely regulate it, and and uh, the you know the the pain you're, and impact you're going to feel is going to be much greater. Yeah, and it's and it's not going to be on a blockchain. The reason why central banks haven't done this so far is because it's very very dangerous to have one big honeypot. Uh, at the central bank, which is the entire economy of the U.S. or or Germany or whatever, um, because some uh, you know uh, uh, some sort of hacker that you know is either another country or just a private clown wants to take it down. Uh, that if they got into that database and screwed everything up, you could literally destroy an entire economy. So oh, yeah. what what why it's taken this long to do that is because what the blockchain solved is the ability to do these hash routes where you're hashing the last block with the next one and and so on and so forth anyway it's a security protocol and but it's not going to be decentralized what you'll have is three servers standing right next to each other and they all take turn uh doing these mathematical hash algorithms to secure it and so you'll have to like break into all three at once and maybe they'll be sitting in different server rooms or whatever but that that's how it's, they've secured this because satoshi nakamoto uh solved that sort of consensus and security risk um so they'll just take the best of that crush it down into a centralized sort of thing and and go from there but it's it's very dangerous uh not only that i mean they they this is programmable money so they can say well you you're not allowed to spend money outside of 15 k's of your home uh, you've walked, you know, 16Ks, bleep, 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 right. doesn't work. Oh, um, you know, that's a shame. Why did I, you know, and, and they'll get everyone to jump into the CBDC by saying, if you do it now, we'll give you an airdrop of a free hundred bucks stimmy check. Right, <laughs> right. CBDC account and everyone will do it. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and I mean, you, you'll see why everyone will do it, right? Because we've, they've already, they've stolen all our buying power. We're living right on the edge and we, we want that uh, little stimmy, right? If, if we don't take yeah. it, someone else is going to take it. And uh, I mean, our buying power will go to them, right? Instead. So yep. yeah, it's, it's crazy. And I, I don't know if you uh, saw what was going on in Calgary or Canada here last year with the trucker convoy and, and people uh, who donated yeah. even small amounts to it, having their, um, their bank accounts frozen, different things like that. I know a friend of mine donated a thousand dollars and he had to go through a big rigmarole to get access to his bank account again. Well, I mean, CBDC so, so. makes it real easy for a government to, to clamp down on that. Right. Uh, you've got, um, you know, our, our government here in Canada issued the uh, emergency measures act, which is the old war measures act. You're supposed to be used in a time of war when the country's being attacked to, to lock things down and, and, you know, give the government more power. Well, they implemented that act for this trucker convoy because of all the, the horn honking and, and splash uh, pools that, that, that they had uh, for their kids. Uh, big, yeah. And so, so you, you implement the kind of uh, draconian powers that we've saw exercise and make it that much easier for government to, to just absolutely destroy the enemies of the regime, uh, the people, and uh, you could see how how nefarious this technology could be. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, you've got the the son of Castro there. So it's no big like surprise, really. That yeah. uh, uh, I like I, you know, what one one thing that's really important is that people have these conversations around the dinner table about these CBDCs. 
mm. that um, because it comes back down to the family. The family is where the power sits. The family is where people, are, where the state is scared of the family. That's why they've tried to break it all apart with all this, you know, extreme feminism and and extreme uh, uh, destruction of, of of men's rights as well. And uh, but also just the, uh, uh, the 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 constant sort of removing the children into the state schools so that, that you know all of this stuff uh, are little steps towards the destruction of the family and and really in the 1940s when we were going off the gold standard in the 30s 40s leading up to that that removal of any gold standard people would talk about this stuff they would talk about it around the family tin, dinner table and we and they would decide who they're going to vote for and how they're going to vote around the, those conversations well those conversations hardly happen anymore Bitcoin brought a little bit of a renaissance in this field because people started understanding money again. They're like, ah, oh, so as soon as there's a new use case, like some big tech company now accepts Bitcoin, everyone celebrates. Ah, oh, that's why the US dollar needs oil settlement because that's a use case for the US dollar. So they, they go around trying to, you know, so these sorts of cognitive processes happen because of this, these inventions. But we need to really discuss CBDCs because right now, these governments, these central banks, they're just going forward saying, it's just a little upgrade. It's instant settlement. It's fantastic. You'll love it. And and no discussions being had. And it's really, right. you know, when I think about our grandparents who, who might have fought and died in wars before, what did they die for? Did they die so we could all be tracked and traced and followed and, and, and our money um, controlled to the nth degree down to the cent? No, they died for freedom. And, um, and, and it would be a shame just to let that go without even a conversation at the family dinner table. Yeah, that's a fantastic, uh, I, I love that idea. Bring it back to the family, talk to your family about it. And you're right. I mean, the government has, um, the, the state and the family don't mix, put it that way. And so the state is always going to be interested in destroying the family, whether it's, um, you know, the right or the left in there. I mean, you know, yeah. it's very clear how the left has destroyed the family, but the right kind of tees it up for them. I mean, the right's insistent that the, the state be involved in, in marriage, that because we can't yep. have the gays marry, right? I mean, that would destroy yep. the institution of the family. So the government has to tightly regulate marriage, issue the marriage certificates to the people that, can get, that we say should get them. And now the left says, yeah, we agree with you. The state ought to be heavily involved in marriage, you know, for different reasons, we need to protect the women. And so now we're going to create no fault divorce and make it uh, so that you can unilaterally break the marriage contract and not only not pay a penalty, you can get paid for life basically from, from the non-custodial parent uh, that, that you left, right. Which is almost always the man. So, you know, and, and you could go down the list like uh, public school, um, you know, the taxation, of course you, you tax, raise the tax level to a point where both parents have to be working, get the kids into government school. Um, I mean, both the left and the right see that as an, as an opportunity to indoctrinate your kid, right? Yep. It's just that. And, and so this is, it's no coincidence that all the, are the arguments we're seeing online right now about uh, drag queen story hour and, and these books in schools, they're all conservative versus liberal about what should be banned and what should be done in school. What should, yeah. What should our kids be exposed to? But no one in the in, on either side of that argument is talking about um, let's get rid of public schools because they're destroying our family and they're destroying the, destroying the fabric of our nation. Uh, yeah. That is never discussed. And so, yeah, I mean, we need to, you know, as people, as individuals, as as fathers and mothers, we need to be actively fighting this stuff by loving and connecting with our family. And, and we do that through these kinds of kinds of conversations and um, you know, all the, all the forces are trying to split us apart. We need to be actively working to, to hold the family together. Um, yeah. Okay. Joshua, no, I've got, let's say I've got $10,000 sitting in my, my uh, you know, fractional reserve bank. Uh, I'm nervous about how much buying power it's losing every single day be. because of inflation um, yeah. I want to protect that. And you've sold me the standard.io, this DeFi idea of becoming my own personal bank appeals to me. How do I get started in this? Look, I mean, you know, 
if you're just starting out in crypto, I, I would say, look, just watch, uh, watch and learn uh, with us. It's, it's a very risky thing that we're building. It's not something for the faint-hearted. You know, it, it really is. It's a big experiment. Um, if you've got cash to burn and you're interested in contributing uh, to the future of uh, decentralized finance, then for all you know means, have, have a look and see see what suits you. But if you're just starting out, just just get some get some money out of the bank. You know, don't hold it in that. Hold it in precious metals, land, even uh, forestry, uh, uh, pork bellies, like just something that's real and tangible. Because everything uh, everything's teetering right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, with the standard, I, I'm just so excited. We just had a meeting tonight with the the, the team. The team's all over the world. And um, and just testing out the smart contracts, it's, it's like we haven't got an interface yet, so it's it's all very sort of nerdy, but it's working, and uh, I'm just I'm just that excited. So if you if you want to come and check us out, just go to the standard.io, join the Discord or the Telegram, and 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 if you've got some some skills uh, you want to help out, um, uh, just let us know. And you know we're 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 a ragtag bunch of uh, anarchist types um, that want to. Uh, you know, build freedom, uh, loving capital, uh, capital lo loving uh, mechanism, uh, mechanisms to secure the future of, uh, or, or at least have an exit door to the CBDCs because they're coming, whatever we do. And right. I don't want to shut them down. I, I just don't want to have anything to do with them. But I want to build yeah. this exit door where we can say, look, you have your weird CBDC control freak slave bondage yeah. money. I, I've got uh, this this stuff over here and I'm going to use it, you know, and um, yeah, well, I love that. You know, I, I spent a lot of years shaking my fist at the system, trying to like fight against it through through political activism and, you know, even politics. I, I don't know if you'd call what I did politics. It was maybe political theater, using political theater to try to get a message out. Um, yeah. But to me, it's all been it's all been about kind of persuading people to embrace liberty and reject statism. And to be, because to me, the state is foisted up by by what's in the brains of the people around me. Right. By by the, the memes they have in their brains, the, the cultural ideas, the the assumptions they have. And if I could just tap into that and and get them to see, then the scales will fall from their eyes and maybe the state will wither or die that way. But I think much more realistically, what I've learned is, um, you know, people are looking, they're afraid and they're looking for solutions and they're either going to go to the government or they're going to go to the standard.io or something like that. And so building something that actually works, that helps people address their fear and, and provides a solution for them probably seems yeah. like a better path forward. I mean, we need all, all, all different angles on this, but um, more and more I'm interested in building solutions. And, you know, the tagline of this podcast is uh, how to live free in an unfree world. And, and Joshua, thanks for coming on and giving us some insight into how to do just that. I appreciate it. Hey, Tim, Matt, it's just an absolute pleasure. And, and you know, I think, like I said, talking about this stuff is what's really important. Education is really how we get and not schooling, you know, education. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. There. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Joshua. And uh, go check out the standard.io and voltoro.com. Links will be in the show notes. Uh, thanks again, Joshua. Cheers.